Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo. And as always, I am joined by my partner in crime, Harley Schultz. Harley, I know you're a year older now. Happy birthday. Um, You had to bail out on us at the end of our last episode with David because my computer crashed and we had to record an entire hour and 15 minutes of a hour and 45 minute podcast. So how was your um, quasi birthday dinner and your birthday in general? Well, you know, it was just an hour and 15 minutes out of the previous year of my life. So we have a whole nother year of my life ahead to look forward to. So I think that uh, all is well for that standpoint. As for going forward, uh, obviously it was my birthday weekend. So I did go out and engage in a, a few different celebrations involving alcohol along with some celebrations involving some fabulous, fabulous food. So you just turned, uh, so you turned 21? Is that what it was? I, I, Again? I, I became 41, uh, 21 for the second time, okay. plus a couple years. So. Plus a couple, okay. uh, But all, all in all, it was a great weekend. I had a lot of fun, and hopefully I'm not too hungover for this podcast. I hope not. I think you'll be okay. Speaking of this podcast, we have now, in prep for people's drafts, gone over the quarterback position, the running back position, the wide receiver position, and the tight end position from a draft value standpoint with regards to ADP. And what we're going to do tonight is you and I are going to go back through those positions and give some of the players, our top three, we'll say, at each position that we absolutely are buying and absolutely selling on. So the people And there may of, be some change from our original concept, too, based yeah. on what's happened in the last couple of weeks. That is true. Within the last 24 hours, possibly, too. I mean, it, it moves fast this time of year. And maybe at the end, if we have enough time, we're going to just give a little bit of an outlook on how do you actually, once you have all this prep and you get into your draft, how do you enact the plan that you have? I think we should leave them hanging for that. So if we don't have enough time, we can actually do a whole show on that next time, too. Sounds good. All right, let's get into it. Before we can do that, though, of course we have to do our news segment. So I'm going to throw it over to Harley for this week's BPN News. Thank you, Steve. A.J. McCarron sustained an injury to his collarbone last week, opening the door for either Nathan Peterman or rookie Josh Ellen to potentially be the week one starter for the Bills. This is amazing, since I never thought we would find a worse week one starter than A.J. McCarron. (laughs) Jordan Reed missed practice this weekend due to an illness. Oh, great. Mr. Brittle is already missing time. Reed says he is doing better, 
and should be ready for preseason week three. Which means, of course, that you can expect him to return right around Thanksgiving. <laughs> the New York Daily News is reporting that it would be an upset if Sam Darnold doesn't start week one for the Jets. That's ironic because most of the Jets fans would also be upset if Sam Darnold doesn't start week one for the Jets. <laughs> Adrian Peterson signed with the Redskins today. Following the contract signing, AP immediately regretted his decision when he was told that the already controversial team name had nothing to do with the glowing color of children's buttocks following whipping them with a switch. <laughs> and finally, according to John Elway, Colin Kaepernick was offered a contract way back in 2016 to play for the Broncos. Controversy aside, I, for one, would have been glued to my television just to see what would have happened to Kaepernick's hair in the mile-high altitude. This has been your BPN News Update. All right, so you're on fire this week. Um, Reed, I, is there anything can you and your crack team of reporters, can you report or deny that M. Night Shyamalan has actually cast Jordan Reed to play Mr. Glass instead of Samuel L. Jackson in the upcoming um, trilogy to that Unbreakable series. I was going to say, or uh, he could be possibly the the thinner character from the, uh, I can't think of the long time. I don't know. <laughs> that's why we, that's I, why I we do. had a great path I was going to with that. And, that's why we do uh, fantasy football and not Cujo, movies. Uh, Cujo, Carrie, uh, The Shining. The Shining, Jack Nicholas. Nicholson, Nicholas, I get those guys mixed up. No, no, the, the, the writer. Oh, the Stephen writer, King. Stephen King. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, his, his thinner movie. I was, I was thinking maybe that could be him with the new internal abdominal illness or whatever he's got now. Oh, I gotcha. But he's Glass, though. I mean, he is Mr. Glass. So maybe that movie, we should, maybe we should try and get a, you know, a word from, from M. Night Shyamalan if the movie's actually geared because of him owning Jordan Reed and his fantasy leagues or something. And as for AP, I have to say, Low below. Fittingly, <laughs> low below. L literally low. Yes. With the blow. <laughs> All right. Let's, that's enough of our comedic stylings. Let's move right into it. Let's jump to my favorite position of all. Let's recap quarterbacks. <laughs> Speaking of comedic stylings, right? Yeah. How about I start real quick? We'll you start, go for it. I bet this will be really short. Right? We'll start with the cells. Okay? Okay. My top three cells are... Any quarterback drafted in the top 10, any quarterback drafted in the top 10, and any quarterback drafted in the top 10, and that's at the quarterback position. I'll let you give yourselves now. Well, I, I think we have slight crossover on a couple of our picks here. <laughs> um, I, I, my first sell is quarterback one, uh, average draft position of 20.65. That's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, there's no way I'm ever going to take a quarterback that high this year. Uh, probably any year, unless you're in a league where you get six points for a passing touchdown and it's super flex. It's got to be both of those things for me to consider taking a quarterback that high. Uh, my second quarterback I'm passing on is quarterback number six overall, uh, average draft position of 50th. Uh, that's Cam Newton. I, we talked a lot about uh, the just the general malaise with that offense this year with the uh, new coach, Norv Toner. I think it's going to give more value to the running backs than it's going to give to Cam. 
I don't think we're going to see Cam running the ball nearly as much as he has in the past. So quarterback six is way too high. And I'm going to go outside the top 10 for my third, just so it's not an obvious, just avoid all the top 10. I'm going to avoid uh, quarterback 14, Matt Ryan, going at average pick 100. Uh, he plays a lot of his games indoors. He's got a okay schedule for a passing quarterback. But until we see more of him cohesing with Steve Carr, he's start. Yeah. With Sark. I said I could, I, I could Just say Sark. I, could, I can't talk today for some reason. Uh, I'm going to avoid him. Uh, there's better options for your first quarterback, too. And I guess this is a good spot for me to remind people that we do not discuss our lists when we do this. So even during the season when we do the DFS, um, we're not going to discuss in advance who we like and who we don't like. So on my buy list, which I was going to go from highest draft value to lowest, but I'm going to start with lowest because it's Matt Ryan, so we might as well confuse people right out the gate. Um, I'm, not bullish, I'm not bullish on Matt like Harley is. I don't think he's such a bad value in the ninth, 10th round. Um, so I guess if you're saying, well, I don't know who to believe, who to take here, then just cross him off and move up and find somebody else that you want. Um, another guy that I like is Philip Rivers at his cost. I think ninth, 10th round. Some leagues you're going to get him much later. Like I can't really look at the expert leagues I'm in because everybody's ADP is suppressed even more so than an average at-home type draft. So I think Rivers is good value in the ninth, 10th round. And then the guy that I had first that I wanted to work from the top down with, if I'm going to spend on a guy that I think is more of a top 12 type passer, it's Matthew Stafford. Um, eighth, ninth round value. I like to wait longer myself, but if you want to wait not too long, I don't think you get a much safer quarterback than Matthew Stafford. Well, so my main argument against Ryan was that I preferred Phillip Rivers at about the same draft position. Right, exactly. So I, I, I think you could uh, make an argument that Rivers just missed my buy list. Uh, I wanted to include him, but there's three guys that I'm drafting based on their ADP a little bit above him. Uh, first off is the same number one option that you gave, which is quarterback number 10. Uh, average draft position of 83rd overall is Matthew Stafford. Uh, I think we both have hashed up and up of why we like him a lot this year. Great offense, uh, plays a lot of their games indoors. Uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to have him as quarterback 10. I think he's going to finish the season as a quarterback five or better. And see, uh, we, we might be looking at slightly different ADPs because I have him at MFL is quarterback 11. Cause remember I said I was selling on all the top 10, but we're, we're splitting hairs there. So go ahead, continue. Okay. My quarterback 12 is Jared Goff, who has even more quality weapons this year than he did last year when he had a breakthrough season without Jeff Fisher at the helm. <laughs> and how can we not get a shot in at Jeff Fisher? Yes. And finally, uh, the guy who just beat out Philip Rivers for my third buy at quarterback is quarterback number 20 on my list at average pick 168 is Blake Bortles of Jacksonville. Jacksonville's passing schedule is absurdly easy this year. Grab him late. You'll be able to play him as your quarterback one most of the season. And at that point, you're probably getting him as your quarterback two. You'll be able to trade him to someone possibly who needs a quarterback or has an injury early on in the season, I bet. So there was one other quarterback I almost put in my buy category. It doesn't go, it doesn't work for me now because he's been moving up the ranks. But for somebody that just doesn't want to hold off as long as I do and play that kind of game of chicken, 
I still think that Andrew Luck this week is going to go at an ADP that's below where he really should be going in regards to all the rest of the quarterbacks. I think he has top three upside. So if you really don't want to wait till Stafford, again, Luck's ADP has continually risen, but I think that he's somebody that you could do a buy on also. So there's my fourth person to take Ryan out of the equation so it's not like we're contradicting each other. How's that? Sounds good. So let's run on over to the running back position. I'll let you start. Give us the ones that you like first. Who are you buying? Oh, we're doing buying first this time. Okay, yeah, perfect. I had to, we did sell on the quarterbacks first <clears> because <throat> you know how I am about quarterbacks. Well, so it'd be really easy for me to choose a bunch of high-end running backs who I think are going to perform well that you can get in the first and second round, but I'm not going to go there. The highest-ranked running back I'm going to be buying is running back 25 on my list, roughly 68th overall and that is Denver Broncos' Royce Freeman. Uh, I think that he has shown already in this uh, preseason that he is exponentially better than Devontae Booker, and he's got the ability to be a decent pass catcher as well. He's got the nose for the stripe. He scored a couple touchdowns right this year. I like him a lot at running back 25. Again, you're getting him near the end of the fifth round as of this ADP, which might start going up a little bit more uh, as we get closer to the season. Uh, my second choice at running back 41, despite the news of Adrian Peterson signing in Washington, is Chris Thompson. Now, this pick is more designed for leagues that use points per reception. Uh, Thompson is going to be the third down back there, no matter who is carrying the ball on first and second down. Uh, and when you look at things with the way AP has performed the last two years, one could make a solid argument that Chris Thompson may actually be the best running back on that team as well. Uh, he averaged more yards per carry than either Rob Kelly or Samaj P. Ryan last year. And I, I'd have to look up the numbers for Peterson last year, but I'm pretty certain that his average was more than Peterson's as well. Uh, obviously, there's some injury risk with Thompson coming off the injury from last season, but he's already making it sound like he's going to play in week three of the preseason here. So we may not have to worry as much about that as we thought. And finally, my running back 64 on my list at 225th overall is a running back who could be a starting running back week one of the season. You're getting him at that late pick and that's Chris Ivory of Buffalo. Somebody is going to have to be a part of that running game for that offense. And if slash when LaShawn McCoy ends up on the, commissioner's inactive list that guy will end up being chris ivory okay so i also wanted to try and and avoid the early guys because not everybody has a chance to get those guys right mm -hmm. um but the highest one that i went with is a fifth rounder and it's Kenyon drake and i'm buying him for multiple reasons one i think that he's due for a big season but by if you decide to go wide receiver heavy in the first couple rounds, he's a running back that you can target that can be your running back one. I prefer him as a running back two because you never know. But that's what I love about him. And at that value, I think that he's a great value in round five because he gives you flexibility from a draft standpoint. If you want to go wide receiver, wide receiver, grab one of the top three tight ends in round three and then hit a, a running back in four and then follow up with Drake in five, that's not a bad start. I can get on that, even though I said I didn't really like the high-end tight ends. At least that makes sense because you're, you're dictating where you want to go. So I like Kenyon Drake a lot. Um, there's some risk there, uh, but I do think that with Tannehill back, that 
he'll be a focus, a focal point of that offense. I do. The next guy, I went, I went deep for my next two guys that I like as buys. Um, and because they're so deep, they really are like free lottery tickets. Corey Clement, he's going to have a role in that offense, 13th round ADP. And if something happens to Jay Ajayi, he is going to carry a bulk of that load. And we know that. Don't you mean when something happens to Jay Ajayi? Well, I don't want to say that, but I was going to say, yeah. I mean, we know that he has had issues in the past. So it wouldn't be so far fetched to think that that happens. I can't necessarily say I call him a league winner, but I'll tell you what, he'd be right there with it if you had him rostered. And here's the thing it's much cheaper to buy Clement now. Then if you wait till week two, three, when and if something happens to a giant and you got to go to the blind bid waivers, then what does he cost you? That's how I kind of look at it. And then my other guy that I like is in the 15th round. His ADP has fallen somewhat due to a preseason injury, but I'm not buying that it's going to be a problem because he is going to carry the load at some point. I shouldn't say he's not. He's going to be involved in the offense. And if something happens to Jarek McKinnon, I believe Matt Breida is one of those same guys in the mold of Clement where he's got a role, it's not going to go away, and it can only go up if something happens to the guy in front of him. And McKinnon has not shown to have the propensity to be able to carry a full load. I don't expect it. But, God, if something happens, Rita does become somewhat of a league-winning type back to have. And then the other guy that's there, he just fractured, I think, his shoulder or something like that. So um, was it Joe Washington or something like that? Joe Williams. Joe Williams, rather. So he, I was worried about him a little. Now I'm not even worried about him so much. So they're my three that I'm buying. Drake in the fifth, Clement in the 13th, Breida in the 15th. Well, and it's interesting because I originally had Matt Breida on my list of buys. Then I took him off uh, and replaced him with Thompson because I was concerned a little bit about Breida's injury. Uh, and the, like I said, getting the news that sounds like Thompson's injury is, is healing much faster. But I totally agree with you on Breida. As for Drake, uh, now he is a great buy at that point if you go wide receiver or wide receiver. But I would also like to pitch uh, Drake in a method that I've been using him, which is as running back number three on my team, yeah. where I go running back, running back, wide receiver or tight end, something in the fourth round, and then get Drake at the early part of round five or the late part of round four as my third running back. Yeah. Then you're really set. Absolutely. I, I agree a thousand percent actually with that. Uh, one other guy that people might consider that I kind of noted to here is running back 61 on my list, uh, a little bit before Chris Ivory, but still in that 210 round, uh, 210th uh, overall pick type range, is Spencer Ware. Yeah. Uh, he's another guy who is immediately will step in yep. if an injury occurs to Kareem Hunt, and he will have value, and he'll even have value from a flex from occasionally on weeks too. Yeah. And that's what you kind of, that's where I want to roster those guys. I'd rather take a guy that has the upside and a role. You know, if, as an example, you take Adrian Peterson in your last round, say round 15, which he'll go higher than that now, but let's say you're in a draft right now, round 15, and Matt Breida's on the board, Corey Clement's on the board, and Adrian Peterson's on the board. The first guy I'm taking off my list is Adrian Peterson. Why? Because he's only going to have a first and second down role, right? Yes. That's probably similar to what you're going to get from Clement and Breida. But if something happens to the running back in front of them, their role is going to expand. If something happens to Chris Thompson, Adrian Peterson's role does not expand. No. So with that, let's move into who we're selling at the running back position. I'll let you lead the way. 
Okay, I'm going to lead off with the fourth running back off the board in many of the leagues, and that's David Johnson. Uh, he's usually number four overall going in a lot of drafts, fourth or fifth, depending on your league scoring format. I want nothing to do with that Arizona offense this year, including a guy who has been a perennial superstar in fantasy sports. I, I'm not taking that risk at four. Even though his injury last season shouldn't really affect him this year, nope. I'm more concerned about the injuries and the lack of talent around him. Uh, second guy that I'm Hold on staying a away from. Hold on a second. I'm not going to let you continue. I'm going to stop you because guess what? We That's have, your first player also. We, we have the same guy, and it's for the same reasons. And I know people are going to look, want to look at that play where he carried, I think, the entire defense as well as the special teams and maybe even the offense into the end zone for a touchdown in their last game. Um, the man can run. I just do not like everything that's stacked around him, and I think it sets him up to be a disappointment. But, hey, look, he won me a title last year. That's all I'm going to say. But he is my, he's the first one I'm avoiding also. So now you can get and continue. Running back 15 overall on my list, roughly uh, pick number 33. So right in the uh, range of midway through the third round is Jarek McKinnon. Uh, we talked a little bit about with the Breda conversation. Uh, he's not going to be on any of my rosters. He does not project out as an every-down running back in that offense going forward. You've got Breda coming back. I think that they're going to – they signed Alfred Morris. I think he's going to cut into his touches. He probably might even steal some of the goal line work if he makes the team. Uh, and then finally, running back 21 on my list, which is super, super too high for this guy. 58th overall. So this is a guy getting at the end of the fifth round – when you should be getting Royce Freeman, is the New England rookie running back, Sony Michelle, who has been basically a complete loss in camp so far for them. So we don't have any more we agree on, but I do agree with your sentiment about some. I almost had um, Sony on my list, but with Rex dealing with a knee injury, I just there's just so much cloudiness there, and the fact that he fumbles, that's okay. That's why I want to sell him, but there could be opportunity, so I ignored that. Um, the guy that I, and I'll be honest with you, I have a share of McKinnon, and I'm starting to be more regretful of it every day forward, honestly, because I think that truly what should, what should be right or what would set this right for me is Kenyon Drake should really have McKinnon's ADP. Yes! And yes. McKinnon should have Drake's ADP. Well, you know the reason why that is. Everyone sees the name Frank Gore and sees his history of no, that's 60. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 wrong. I mean, Gore has been brought in to be a backup. I don't think that's I don't think that's why I don't think that's why I think it's Kyle Shanahan. I think it's Defonte Freeman. That's what I think they see with McKinnon. And that's what I saw. Um, but now looking at it from a cost standpoint, I, I, there is no value in taking him there. At what point in this uh, preseason rush up here does McKinnon's value start to deflate enough with all the people out here telling you not to sign him as current ADP. They slides down into the position where you can actually buy him and have some value there again. He won't because unfortunately most people for the most part have their minds made up and they'll hear what they want to hear. People listen to what they want to listen to and anything else they'll consider noise. Kind of like the political spectrum in a sense. Hopefully they take it, take us, take what we're saying and, and can learn from it. But I still think that the majority of people if they like him, they're going to just see what they see, and they're going to grab him, and we can't say that we didn't warn him. I can't say I'm 100% with you on it because I own a share of him, so I'm hoping I'm wrong. Um, but I can tell you that I do have buyer's remorse more and more as I go forward. 
Well, I think a lot of people, too, uh, if you see the person at your draft who's got the magazine dated from April or May or, or even June that haven't really been keeping up on the preseason hype or lack thereof, yeah, uh, they might see McKinnon listed as the number one running back on that team and then just draft him as such and, and – it's really, it's not a smart move at this point, I don't think. Yeah, they're just, you know, we talk about value all the time. There's no value in where he's at, and, and I understood that. But anyway. Um, Who's your third? My third, is, actually my second. Um, I didn't even give you, I only gave you DJ so far. My second is Joe Mixon. Um, I just don't like the cost in the second round for Mixon because like DJ in, in Arizona, I just don't trust that offense this year. I think they're going to struggle. Um, I just, if he was a third rounder, Maybe late third round, early fourth. Yeah, I probably could pull the. I just can't see taking him middle of the second round, which is where he's going now. Um, just didn't see enough last year to make me think he could definitely turn it around. And like I said, there's questions in that offense to me, so I'm selling on Mixon. Um, I do what I could to trade up to get Christian McCaffrey before I had to settle for Mixon if I could. Um, and then I'm not even going to look what his ADP is, but I don't care where you can get him. I'm not buying. Penny in Seattle. Just not happening. <laughs> well, I think a lot of Seattle's fans aren't buying him right now either. And I guess there's a there's a common thread here. It's not because of talent. It's not because he injured his finger. It's not because of Chris Carson. It's because that offense scares me. Yes. End of story. It scares me. So I'm going to go with somebody that's got upside, and I don't see upside there because one thing you don't fix quickly in the NFL, at least in season, is your offensive line. That's correct. So, all right, let's move it on. Let's throw it on over to the wide receivers. Look at that. You like my segues tonight? I act like I'm, I'm like you, almost, you are on fire. Tonight. I'm almost like I'm professional or something. Throwing it over to you. Let's let's see your buy on wide receivers. Let's see if we have any that we actually match on. Well, so again, all preseason, I've been just preaching how wide receivers are sliding in ADP this year, and for me, that's perfect because I like taking running backs early this season. The three wide receivers I am buying, wide receiver 37 overall, roughly pick 108, Robbie Anderson of the New York Jets. That offense, someone's going to have to be the main receiver there. And you'll find this is kind of a trend among all of my picks, is I'm looking for high-impact wide receivers on teams that are going to be forced to throw the ball a lot. That's one of them there. Secondly, I'm going to go three players down on my list to wide receiver 40, roughly pick 118, and that's Marquise Goodwin, who has already established himself as Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite, kind of beating out Pierre Garçon, who lost out on some meaningful snaps together with Garoppolo last season when he had that neck injury. And third, going just two picks further to pick wide receiver 42 at roughly pick 127, that's Marquise Lee in Jacksonville. I talked about with Bortles, their easy schedule for wide receivers. They've got a lot of wide receiver depth to throw to there, which is going to just make it that much easier for Lee as the number one receiver there to uh, find himself open on the field. Okay. No, no matches. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't like those. It's a deep position, so it's yeah, tough not yeah. to. So the first guy that I'm going to tell you I'm buying is a top five wide receiver because he's sliding into the second round, and he shouldn't. Keenan Allen. No. Julio Jones. Oh. I mean, from the 10 spot, I – reach for Dalvin Cook, which, okay, people can question that. I could have taken Melvin Gordon. I could have taken Kareem Hunt. There are running backs I let go. But I got Julio coming back at me. That shouldn't happen. 
you could I could have feasibly taken Julio in the first and cook it at the at the comeback pick in the second round, right? What's that? Two point three. So I just I know people can't get past last year's stats for guys that kill it, and they can't get past them when guys struggle. Do you remember how people felt about DeAndre Hopkins last year? Mm-hmm. That's why he he fell to the two three turn for the most part, and actually probably more like mid third. He was a league winner last year, even without Deshaun Watson. So Julio is being severely underrated. I think I understand getting the wide the running backs first, but when you can nab Julio in the first part of that second round, man, I'm doing that every day and twice on Sunday. Now I had another guy and I crossed him out, so I'll talk about him afterwards. So I'll give a, I'll give like a three A or three B. How's that? But the next guy right. I'm buying, and yes, he comes with risk. But I don't care, and I don't care that it's he's got a sixth-round ADP, which will probably rise some. You're looking perplexed like you don't know where I'm going. But Josh Gordon, I'm on. I'm on the train. I'm not getting off. I am buying Josh Gordon, and I'm buying him because he is his upside is top 10 or better. Go look at all the damage he did with the junk he had at quarterback. Six years ago? It doesn't matter. Look at, even look at last year how he finished the season with Deshaun Kaiser and look at the fact that he did it when he was drunk and high. No, I, I, I like Josh Gordon. I'm just giving you a little hard time. There. I know I, uh, I, I'm, just, I'm scared to invest the sixth-round pick. <laughs> no. And you know what? I'll, I'll say this. Having lost David Johnson last year and still being able to win a championship, having lost um, guy in Kansas City is no longer there, Jamal Charles in the past as a first-round pick and still making playoffs in, in a league with experts. I'm not so scared of taking upside with picks anymore when they have some you, risk. You did hear the news about the warrant out for his arrest for failure to pay, pay child support, right? That's not true. He, he <laughs> has a mandated time frame that he has to pay child support before the end of August, I believe it is. Then a warrant will be a, be issued if he doesn't, and everybody's worried that he doesn't have six or seven thousand dollars because he doesn't get his first game check till whenever. Do you really think teammates, friends, family, somebody's not going to front him the money to pay his first six or seven thousand dollar payment? I mean, come on. Exactly. He'll find it under his pillow from a damn tooth fairy or something. It, it, I'm not worried about that at all. So I'm buying Josh Gordon and his top ten upside. Um, if he doesn't make out, look at how many six-rounders don't make it anyway. Look at the bust rate on six-rounders. You're not going to get that kind of upside, so I'm buying him. Then a guy that I like, Emmanuel Sanders, ninth round. I think he presents massive value. I don't think you can go wrong with him. His, his quarterback play is going to be tremendously improved, and we know he's already much healthier than he was last year, so that's where we are. As far as and this one kind of goes along the Jacksonville t- lines with where you were talking about who wide receiver one is because I'm thinking to myself oh it might not be Lee it might be Keelan Cole doesn't matter they're both going to still see some targets Um, I think that Marvin Jones is a buy and it's because he is not leaving the field he is a a three down linebacker linebacker listen to me (laughs) a three down wide receiver he doesn't have to worry about what the set is if it's two wide receivers or, or not he's on the field for every snap so well, I think an interesting thing came of the uh, preseason game last week with uh, Detroit. There was that it was in the two wide receiver sets. Uh, it wasn't Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. It was Kenny Galladay and yes. Marvin Jones. But the key there is it was Marvin Jones. 
Yes. Now I'm going to throw it over to you so that you can do your sales, and maybe I have something on that. Well, uh, again, we don't talk about this beforehand, so your first buy is my first sell, and that's Julio Jones. Okay. Uh, I, I saw him listed on ADP at 13.72, which is yep. pick in a 12-team league that's uh, round two, pick one, or pick two, basically. For me, there is four or five other wide receiver ones that I would feel more confident having on my team this year, including guys going much later than him in the second round, guys like Keenan Allen, guys like Devontae Adams, both of whom I'd rather get if I was going to draft a wide receiver high. And, of course, there's the two or three wide receivers I'd take before him in the first round, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, and DeAndre Hopkins. So he's kind of in that little cubby there where I don't like him enough to draft him in the first round but I like the other guys just below him a little bit more in the second round. So at, at that spot, I'm not buying him. Now, if he falls to the late second round, I'm with there. I'm with you on that. But again, I, I've also seen far too many times where Julio Jones has been tackled at the one yard line, costing me points. And that really frustrates me. Minimum numbers, uh, minimum numbers for Julio Jones this year. You ready? 90 catches, 1400 yards and change, six touchdowns minimum. I agree with the catches. I even agree with the yards. His touchdown infrequency concerns the heck out of me. I'm not going to be shocked if he has double-digit touchdowns this year. It could happen. It should. Uh, my, sec- my second avoid at wide receiver is uh, the old guy down in Arizona, Larry Fitzgerald, who is going at wide receiver 18. So he's going to people as their second wide receiver, which isn't horrible for him. Uh, pick 42 overall, so you're talking – late fourth round again if you're going wide receiver heavy early i can appreciate this but i just see no reason to take him at that point when there's guys again in the sixth and seventh round such as marvin jones such as cooper cup such as robert woods who offer similar if not more upside again hard to tell when the wheels are finally going to come off the train there for fits not a lot around him to work with just too high, to, too much lack of trust in that offense for me. And finally, whereas I do target number one wide receivers on bad teams, I do avoid number one wide receivers on bad teams with bad quarterbacks, and that is wide receiver 29, 77th overall, Michael Crabtree in Baltimore. Uh, I don't trust that offense with Flacco at the helm. I'm not sure I'm going to trust it that much more when Lamar Jackson takes over midway through the season, although certainly he offers more upside than Flacco. Uh, again, you're talking a fifth or sixth round pick on a wide receiver in Crabtree that, again, he's in his 30s, and he has not ever been a true number one wide receiver successfully in a, in a team. Okay. So we agree. I have Fitz. He's the first one I have. I just, again, it's the whole Arizona syndrome. Um, you don't know when the wheels are going to fall off. Yes, he has been just – a modicum of consistency of late, but I'd rather be a year early on my mortal p- prediction than a year late. So I'm avoiding fits. Um, a guy that we kind of segued to almost, we could have, I'm avoiding Golden Tate mainly because of the fact that he is possibly going to continue to come out onto wide receiver sets. That may not be enough to really hurt his value that much, but it does push him, in my eyes, below Marvin. And I think Marvin should have the higher ADP. So that's why I'm going to say I'm not buying both. 
I can get somebody else, and I'm going to buy Marvin every day that I can. And like I said, twice on Sunday. Now, here's a guy I'm going to sell on that I don't think you'll agree with, but I think there's too many mouths to feed to make his value what it needs to be to pay off for you. And he's immensely talented and has tons of 1,000-yard seasons. But I'm avoiding Brandon Cooks in his fourth-round ADP. I don't mind that avoid at all. Okay. So, I mean, there you have it. I mean, there's quite a few. You talked about a couple guys, I think. There's other guys, I think, like Crabtree. I'm just kind of like met on, but I see it. But there are guys I feel strongly about. And, yeah, I know you can't get Julio at the end of the second. I just think the fact that you can get him early second is still kind of blasphemous. I'm buying Keenan Allen all day before I'm buying so Julio. So here's year. the thing. I love Keenan Allen. I can't quit Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's been on teams. He's on teams this year in Scott Fishbowl for me. But I can make an argument that tells me Keenan's upside could be less than what Julio's is around. with Mike Williams coming back, even though you lost Hunter Henry, and then they want to get Melvin Gordon more involved in the passing game. So, But I love Keenan, but that's what I look at. And then, look, you can always say, well, if they lose their starting quarterback, then you don't know what you're going to get. That's especially true in Green Bay. I love Devontae Adams, but do you want any part of anybody in Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers winds up on the, on the sideline? And it's happened. You know what I mean? Matt Ryan's been pretty consistent, whether he's inconsistent in Sark's offense or not. Julio still produces, and that's what I like about him. So we'll move on. At this point, we're going to go and we'll rush over to the big boys, the tight end position. And I'll go first if you want, or do you want to go first? I I would like to say that uh, Green Bay's backup quarterback this year, uh, Cody Kessler, uh, is – Makes it feel a little less worrisome than uh, whoever they started last year. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, it, come on. They got Deshaun Kaiser, too, if they keep him. I mean, I'm just That's sorry. who I meant to say, not Cody Kessler. Kessler okay. is in Jacksonville, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. doesn't matter. I guess those two confused. It's, it's the K last name backup quarterbacks from Cleveland. Okay. Is that what it is? <laughs> All right. You want to go first with tight end? Go ahead. You're the tight end whisperer when it comes to DFS, so I'll let you lead off for this, too. So this section, actually, I had a hard time with, to tell you the truth, which is weird because... Uh, I kind of did, are we doing, too. Are we doing buys or, uh, buys or sells first? Whatever you want to do. You tell me. I'll do my buys first. Okay. Uh, first person I'm buying is tight end number seven on my list, uh, going at pick 72, so right at the end of the sixth round. That's Kyle Rudolph. I am basing this on my hope that Minnesota utilizes him much uh, with Kirk Cousins, like Kirk Cousins used Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed in Washington. Obviously, Minnesota threw the ball a lot to the tight ends. We also brought in the offensive coordinator from Philly, who used their tight ends a lot, too, in John DeFilippe. So hopefully that means more action for Rudolph as well. And over the last couple of years, Rudolph has already been very highly active in the red zone. So all those things go together, making him the middle-tier tight end that might jump into that top tier this year. I'll be honest with you. He was close to being on my buy list. I edged him out with someone else. My second one wouldn't have been on my list this time last week, and that's tight end number 10, Trey Burton in Chicago, uh, 98th overall. Big news, obviously, coming out this last week, Adam Shaheen being carted off the field in the Bears' last game, and Burton playing significantly and playing significantly well, getting targeted excessively by Mitchell Trubisky in the short time they were both on the field. Uh, He's starting to achieve the value that his hype has been getting this year. And again, I don't mind him at that pick. Uh, I think his stock's going to continue to go up, though, which could be dangerous to teams who are drafting a little bit closer to September. And finally, a guy I've been championing 
pretty much since the start of last season. Uh, tight end number 11 on my board at 103 overall, David Nyoku of Cleveland. Uh, he looked very, very good uh, in the second preseason game as well as the first preseason game, working with both the first-team offense and the second-team offense with Baker Mayfield. Caught touchdowns from both Mayfield and from Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor loved to throw the ball to Charles Clay in Buffalo, if you remember. So he know he likes to utilize the uh, the tight end as a safety valve when he starts sprinting around in the backfield. Uh, great pick at that point. I think he's going to have be primed for a top-five tight end season, and you can get him as one of the last first tight ends taken. So here's... But do you, you may remember this, and I don't know if our listeners will remember this, but do you remember a few years back when me, you, and Jake, and we had a tight end we liked, and we couldn't decide if his name was Kels or Kelsey. <laughs> we didn't know how to pronounce his name properly. and that seemed we, to, we, we blamed the center in Philadelphia for that. Is that what it was? Well, it's his brother, so they're the same. But I remember exactly. we, you know, we weren't sure, so I started calling him Gronkowski, right? Because I said yes. he's like baby Gronk. So maybe the fact that you we don't have David Njoku's name correct yet, or we're not sure what it is, maybe he'll have the same trajectory. My concern this year is I've just and you've warmed me up to him. You really have. You and David both. But um with Josh Gordon back, that kind of takes me just a little bit off of but I can see the reason that at that value he still does make a solid pick. So my first one is a guy that people are just split right down the middle on. It's either you love him or you hate him. Um, but I like Jimmy Graham. I think his sixth-round ADP gives you top three upside. And, yes, we've seen it. We've heard it before, but it's never materialized since I think Jermichael Finley. I'm willing to bet and take the risk that it does. 60, 700, six touchdowns. I think that's realistic as a low end for him. And the upside is... 75 and 1,000 and, and double-digit touchdowns. Then I'm going to save my second guy for last because I'm going to bump one up that I agreed with you on. I was not here even last week on Trey Burton. I thought he was being overdrafted. Um, I'm all in. It's a buy from him, especially at that value, but I think you're right. His value is going to shoot up, and then it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck the value out of it, and it's going to make it a little trepidatious for the people that invest in him. But you know what? I think he's still going to return – a solid, solid season. You won't get hurt with him at his spot unless he gets hurt. Um, and then my last guy, no one's going to agree with me on him as a buy. Um, but again, remember I talked about how I'm not afraid to take the risk for the upside, right, with Josh Gordon? Mm-hmm. Well, the same goes for Jordan Reed. Ninth round ADP, you get truly top th- five is generous. Top three makes sense. Tight end production, if, I know it's huge, if he stays healthy. But there's an asterisk with this. You have to be in a league that is deep enough to allow you to draft Vernon Davis as a handcuff. If you can do that, you can partner them. It allows you to attack other positions up to that ninth round, and then you're just going to use a bench spot for somebody that's not a home run but is productive when used. If something happens to Reed, then I think that makes him a buy. I, I have no problem with taking Jordan Reed that far down. I didn't realize he was sliding quite that far in the ADP, so that yeah. certainly puts him into play there, even with his injury history. And again, much like I said, I think Kirk Cousins could utilize Kyle Rudolph, much like he did Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis. There's a guy that became the new quarterback in Washington who also liked to throw the ball to the tight end occasionally, and that's Alex Smith. Yeah. 
and, and you know, there was another guy that was very close to making my buy list. Um, and it's the guy in San Francisco, George Kittle. He was the, the you know the darling before he got injured, and now people are his his ADPs just plummeted. Look, he's going to come back. I don't care if he misses week one or even week two. Um, I like the upside that he presents in that offense, and he's a great value pick. You know, I actually was much higher on George Kittle going into this week than I am now, and, and unfortunately, where we did our tight end uh, show last week. I looked back at Kittle's stats near the end of last season when you think he would have achieved a little bit more uh, time with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, perhaps achieved a little more value. But most of the weeks with Garoppolo at the helm, he only received three or four catches. Now, that kind of like raised a flag for me, so I looked a little further back in the season. Kittle's biggest performances last year were actually with C.J. Beathard at quarterback. So I, I think there may have been some collegiate interrelationship between Beathard and Kittle, which may have come into play with the familiarity there. But in general, he's kind of soured a little bit on me, although I do like him still, right. and I don't mind getting him late, late in the draft, but certainly he's slid down a little bit, in my uh, opinion, not only because of the injury, but because, like I said, of a little bit more deep dive research I did last week. Here's, here's what I like about him. One, it's that value that he presents, right? Two, mm-hmm. he's got a coach that has developed some pretty decent Tight ends in his time. Um, Fred Davis, when he was in Washington, Kyle Shanahan was the coach there. You know, Jordan Reed was when Kyle Shanahan was the coach there. So I, I think that at his ADP, the risk is worth it. But let's move into the sells. Who are you selling? Uh, tight end eight overall, uh, pick 73, roughly Delaney Walker. Uh, we talked a little bit about him uh, during the tight end show. Uh, toe injury currently, history of toe injuries. Uh, history of disappearing from game to game. Uh, he's the guy that's going to get you six catches for 70 yards and a touchdown one week and then one catch for three yards the next two weeks. So uh, buy him if you want as your tight end one. I want nothing to do with him as tight end eight overall in the league. Again, when you get a guy like uh, Trey Burton at roughly that same spot now, I'd much rather go with the younger guy. Uh, my second tight end I'm avoiding, you might actually be buying i'm not sure you you might support uh more than i do and that's jack doyle in indianapolis um i i really just i can't get behind him at tight end 12 with eric ebron there uh with uh ryan grant actually has been a bit of a darling there in camp already and he runs a lot of those underneath routes as a wide receiver i think he's gonna steal some touches from the tight ends you got both the both the times you got naheem hines who actually projects as a very good pass catching running back Marlon Mack actually was a decent pass catching running back last year as well. So I just, I, I don't buy Doyle until I see more of what luck is going to do, but I really don't buy Doyle with all the other fish that he has to throw to in that offense. And finally, the highest ranked t- tight end I'm going to avoid is tight end number four overall at pick 55. And that's Evan Ingram. I know we've talked a little ad nauseum in previous episodes about, uh, too many cooks uh, in that offense as well. Odell's back. Certainly Saquon Barkley is going to steal some of the receptions there. Sterling Shepard is back. Uh, Rhett Ellison was a decent target for them as tight end two there. Uh, Engram got a lot of receptions and a lot of targets near the end of last season simply because New York Giants starting wide receivers at that point were Roger Lewis and Tavares King. So I'll tell you what, I was – going to treat the tight ends 
sells similar to quarterbacks, and I was going to give a multitude of guys that I'm just staying away from. But I'm going to save that for last now. Guess what? You nailed it. We're on the same page with Jack Doyle. Wow. At, at worst, at worst, he winds up, I think, producing pretty much similar to what Ebron does at a hell of a lot more of an expensive cost. I'd rather have Ebron all things even, honestly. So, no, I'm not buying Doyle at all. I think he's well overpriced. I'm also not buying Evan Ingram for all the same reasons that you stated. If he was in the wide receiver 8 to 10 range, eh, I might have to think about it. 10 to 12, 13 range seems more legit for me. And I'm not even sure he's a tight end one because of the target share, et cetera, there. With he's Barkley going at roughly the same place that Zach Ertz is going. Yes. And that's wrong. Absolutely. And that leads me to my last um, avoid or sell, whatever you want to call it. Initially, I had Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, and Zach Ertz. And I'm amending that just based on our talk back when we were on running backs talking about Kenyon Drake. Because Gronk, I'm still avoiding. He's my avoid. I'm sorry. I cannot put a second rounder better picks. That's what he costs. He's going, his, his ADP is above 24, so you've got to get him in the second round. I can't do that at the wide receiver, I mean, at the tight end position. I just can't. Now, if I went wide receiver, wide receiver, or running back, running back, et cetera, and I want to go for Kelsey or Ertz, our talk about Drake and such has made me understand that we could do that and then still be okay after five rounds. I don't think you can do that taking Gronk in the second, so Gronk's my other avoid. I totally agree. I'm not taking Gronk even if I happen to have the swing pick at, uh, you know what, if I have the swing pick at pick 224 slash 31 or 212, I might consider him. That's about it. Yeah, I don't even know if I could. But at that point, that's where you have to know that your draft position, you're probably not going to be able to take that tight end unless you do pull Gronk if he falls to you because you won't get Kelsey and Ertz coming back to you. So that's where, you know, we, we, we touched on all the positions like we said. Why don't we take a quick five minutes just to talk about draft philosophy and strategy because knowing where you are in the draft and knowing mock drafts, it doesn't really help you to understand who you're going to get necessarily because anybody can decide to take a player early, right? Well, I, I have a, uh, a possible idea for us to go through then. Okay, go ahead. Let's say that we have each of the picks in the first round. And let's tell people, our listeners, what would be your strategy for the first two or three rounds based on that pick? I'll be honest. I'm just, I'm just a whore to the running back, running back right now. In the first, I think it's important to go get running. But let's let's, let's consider this though. It's like if if you've got pick one one, yeah, I'm running and back. You've got pick uh, two twelve. Yep. Uh, right now, I'm leaning to taking Todd Gurley and. Hoping that uh, that Royce Freeman, no, that Devonta Freeman falls back to me at 24. If Freeman isn't there, I'm probably looking at a guy like Mixon or McCaffrey. If I go running back and if I go wide receiver, I would probably consider again if Devonta falls to me there or any of the top tier wide receivers. But I'm hoping and praying that Devonta Freeman falls to me at that point. So. I was in that position. I'll be honest with you. At that point, I am going to look at taking McCaffrey if he's there. Um, that is also where I took um, Jarek McKinnon, and I'm having regrets about it. So I more than likely may have instead looked at doing, um, instead of McKinnon, I can see taking a Jordan Howard who would have been available. 
um, because we know what his role is, and it's it's going to still be a solid role. So I still would go running back, running back at that spot more than likely. Okay, if you have pick 102, I think I'm going probably Ezekiel Elliott, which will bring me back around to the second round. And, and again, I'm looking at a Freeman or possibly, like you said, Jordan Howard there. Yeah, I think you have to go Zeke because I'm more than – I just – it should be Bell. I just – I still worry about him. So he's somebody I, I don't want to have to be in that second, third, fourth, fifth round, fifth spot to draft and have to make a decision on him, honestly. Okay, at uh, pick three, I am leaning towards Le'Veon. Uh, again, I think he falls out of the top two just because of a little uncertainty and because we don't really trust Kamara and Johnson that much this year. Uh, so again, you're looking at running back, running back probably, although the height, it's a little bit higher at that point that you might get Devonte yes. Adams or an AJ green possibly at uh, 210 range. Yeah. And I think that you definitely can get a Christian McCaffrey on the comeback and that, and that he's going to be right there. You're either just going to miss him or you're just going to get him. So I'd be, I'd be leaning towards if I had to take Lev there, I'll take Lev and I'll hope for Christian McCaffrey coming back. How, how about that from a PPR league? If you start out with Bell and oh, Christian yeah. McCaffrey. Yeah. I mean, you can't, can't shake a stick at that. Okay, at 104, uh, here's the question mark. Do we take David Johnson or do we take Alvin Kamara? I think that uh, – or do you take Antonio Brown even at that point? No, I'm actually probably going to take Saquon Barkley. Wow. The Barkley chip has been leveled. Yep. Now, with Barkley, who are you hoping to get in round two? Again, in that same area, I think that Christian McCaffrey, I'm willing to pick him a little bit sooner. So anywhere up to that the end of the second round, if he falls to me, I want him. Um, and he, his ADP, let's see what his ADP actually is. Do I still have it up? Yes, he is going at pick 19. So you're talking if you're at 1-4, right? Yes. So 1-4 would be 2. Let's see where it is. 209. You're talking it, yeah. So it's he's 21st overall. And McCaffrey's 19. So you're just going to miss on him more than likely. But Freeman, Devontae Freeman is 22-23. So I probably would go Freeman if McCaffrey didn't make it to me. Okay, pick five. Since you decided to take sack one at four, I'm going to bite the bullet and take David Johnson at five just because I, I don't see him sliding any further than that. And I hate to give up yeah. the potential that is David Johnson to the, whoever is sitting in the sixth seed. And I'm with you. I think you have to. Um, I, I, I take him begrudgingly there. I would hope that somebody grabbed him before me, though. And I think if I get David Johnson in round one, I'm going to take a premier wide receiver in rounds two and three and then hopefully land a safer generic running back in like rounds four or five, perhaps even a Kendall Drake, uh, Kendall Drake, <laughs> Kenyon yeah. Drake. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm probably looking at, so at one five, you see, so we got that and then we're going to drop down here. So you're talking, see, that's where you're looking at your AJ Greens and your Mike Evans of the world. I still would probably give some thought to Christian McCaffrey, who should be in that range. Um, if not, I'd just, I'm staying away from the Cincinnati offense, like I said, so maybe I reach for a T.Y. Hilton. I don't know. Um, I'm still probably going running back, running back at that point. So at this point here, we've got Elvin Kamara sliding all the way to 1-6. Do we both agree that he has to go at this point, or do you see him falling any further? No, I'll I'll be honest. I think you have to take him there, but I don't like it. Um, I can't help but think that he could be one of those players where less is more. And he might be better with Mark Ingram sharing a, a good portion of that load. And we know that Ingram's suspended to start the year. So, But, yeah, I mean, based on what he did last year, and he's young, and he's got good wheels, 
I take him there, begrudgingly or not. Well, and if you get Kamara there, you definitely have a chance to get McCaffrey in round two. Absolutely. And that's that's what I would do. Pick six, I think, is when we finally have to either consider taking another running back or taking Antonio Brown. It's hard to see Brown sliding more than pick eight, I think, this year. But I like him here at pick six uh, when you're basically going against the grain of everyone else taking running backs. I think there's still two more running backs that I take before I would actually look to wide receiver and Antonio Brown because wide receiver is just so deep. And I know it sounds sacrilegious to say that, but I would still look at Melvin Gordon and both and Kareem Hunt both over him in a PPR. And I actually have those two going in my uh, mock here at seven and eight. So I think those three players at six, seven, and eight are the guys that are going to go at six, seven, and eight in some order. So yep. be prepared if you have pick six, seven, or eight to make a decision between those three. I agree. And then, of course, I'm just going to say, yeah, I'm reaching for Christian McCaffrey. I, another option there is if you do take Brown at six and you want to go completely the opposite of everyone else, that's when you consider using that second-round pick on Grukowski. Yeah, not me, but yeah, I can see that. Okay, so we talked about seven and eight a little bit with Hunt and Gordon in some order. Uh, the nice thing about that spot there is you're going to get running backs falling back around to you as well as wide receivers. You'll definitely have your chance to get a guy like Keenan Allen there. Uh, you might have a chance to get Julio if he slides a little bit into that second round. Uh, there are going to be wide receivers available for you there. Yep. Do you consider another running back, though, at the swing from seven or eight? If Julio slides, no. If Julio doesn't slide, and like I said, you're looking at the A.J. Green and Mike Evan types, then, yeah, I probably am looking at a running back. But this is the point where now once we get to that next pick, I would definitely probably go with Antonio Brown. And, again, I would be looking for a Christian McCaffrey or Devontae Freeman type so that I at least get some running back exposure. Okay, you get to pick number nine. Now, I think this is kind of the consensus trouble spot this year. We talk about the dead zone, so to speak, is when the best players that you feel really fairly confident are all off the board. Who are you looking at at pick nine? So if I'm not going running back at all, then at pick nine, I'm going to assume that Antonio Brown's already gone, right? Because yes. he's going to be gone in the first five or six picks, after, you know, in that range right in there. So I'm probably looking at whoever I have as my wide receiver two, which should be DeAndre Hopkins. And that's, that's probably who I would look at taking there. Now with that, then you're coming back around with the fourth pick in round two. Uh, you definitely are set up to take a running back at that point. I think uh, that's an option. Or do you consider going top two wide receivers there and really set yourself apart from everyone else? No, at that point, if I have the ability to pull Julio Jones, which I think that DeAndre Hopkins would start a small little wide receiver run, then I take Julio. If Michael Thomas falls, I take Michael Thomas. But I've seen Michael Thomas go in round one. I doubt that, Od- I, I doubt that Beckham gets there. But I don't have a problem with going with um, – Hopkins and Julio and then that's where you've got to reach for somebody in the third round and then Drake in that fourth fifth round range so that you can set yourself up at at running back okay so that brings us to pick 10 in the first round another kind of hole there where I don't think that you want to reach for Julio at that point I don't think you you don't have to maybe you consider Leonard Fournette Some, some people might but I'm not that's where I'm reaching for Dalvin Cook 
You know, I, I'm excited about Delvin Cook. I really am, and I think that Cook is kind of the guy I've got right there with Fournette at 10-11. Yep. And in some leagues, if you're super lucky and you have that 12 pick, there's a chance that you can get both of them at 12-1. and one. That's true. That is true. But did we take – we did we get Kareem Hunt out of there yet? Yep, he went 7 or 8. Okay, that's right. He was in that mix. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go Dalvin Cook, and then that's where I said that if – at that point, if I really want to go running back – I'll take McCaffrey early, but I'm more than likely going to see Julio coming back at me, and I would take Julio there. I think that's a pretty nice pairing there. And then, of course, like I said, we got to 12, and uh, if Cook is still on the board, I think I'm taking him there. I think Fournette is certainly in play at 12. And, uh, again, I'm Odell Beckham makes sense, I think, as the uh, swing to 13 there. Again, we talked about Julio being available at 13, certainly an option. I'd take Odell before Julio. But those are both guys you might consider there at the 12 and 1 pick. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, I, I like Fournette, but I don't love him. And I don't know that he's somebody I want to rely on for the like rock of my team. So I think that that's where, at that, if I'm at 12, I'm probably going, if Hopkins slides or OBJ slides or Michael Tom, I'm doing two of those guys. I'm going to go, I'm going to hit the wide receiver hard and know that when it comes back to me, Three, four, I'm probably going to pull Kenyon Drake early in round four instead of letting him get to round five because he won't get back to me, more than likely. So do you take OBJ and Michael Thomas, or do you take OBJ and Julio Jones if they're all three available? Honestly, i probably take Michael Thomas and Julio. Interesting. Okay. I think that was a pretty cool exercise there to kind of let, let people know based on their uh, first-round pick who you might get in round two. Yeah, I think so. Hopefully they find something with it. I think the key, though, is to understand, depending on where you are, you, you have to know that certain players aren't going to make it to you. So you have to look at them in tiers, and you have to be able to understand, is this tier going to run out before my next pick, and what does that do to me? So if you take a Kelsey or an Ertz in round three, you have to know where you're going based off of the way the tiers shake out in round four and five. So if you didn't hit your running back position and you went wide receiver, wide receiver, and then you go Kelsey, you better be looking at two running backs in four and five. You have to. You know what? That's a great way for us to pimp uh, the site, thehuddle.com, where you can actually enter your draft position. You can enter information about uh, – they actually list tiers of players uh, based on your scoring format. So you you tell the computer what your scoring format is, and it will break it down by tiers for you. So you can actually have a great draft tool at your hand come draft day. And and I'm going to leave – I'm going to leave our listeners with two more things when it comes to a draft. Maybe three, I don't know. One is I always like to dictate. Do not follow runs. Be the person that tries to start the run. Okay, That's a good way to find yourself in mediocrity is being in at the end of runs. Right, So be willing to dictate. It's easier to dictate when you're on the ends than it is in the middle. That much I'll say. The other thing is don't be afraid to reach for your guy. You don't have to get value on every pick. In the Scott Fishbowl, a guy did valuations. I knew I wasn't going to be ranked highly. Because I went and got my guys at times because I knew if I wanted him, he wouldn't be there for my next pick because his ADP was before that, but it was definitely after where I was. So don't be afraid to do that. But you have to understand drafts are fluid and you have to be able to move with the ebbs and flows of a draft. If everybody in your league starts going quarterback crazy in round one and two, don't panic. You don't need to jump on the quarterback train. Take a deep breath. 
and not just look at your lineup, but look at everybody else's lineup. You, when you make your picks and you're trying to decide, is this guy going to make it to me or not, especially when you're at the ends and you love a wide receiver, but it looks like everybody else in front of you has four of them, and you go, there's no way they're taking running backs, and I only have one running back I really like, but I like that wide receiver a lot better. You take the running back first because you know the wide receiver is going to get to you. So understand that. So you don't just track your team. You have to track your opponent's teams. Harley, anything in parting? Nope. I think that's a good way to leave our listeners on the right note. That is not the way to leave our listeners. The way to leave them is to tell them, make sure you're following Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Gallo NFL. And then, of course, as Harley said, make sure if you're not a member of the huddle, go join. It's worth it. It's money well spent. David has been pumping out projections for God knows how long, as long as there have been projections, basically. Um, nobody ever else has done it on the offensive side other than him. It's worth it. Do it. And until next week, get Blitz responsible. Cheers. <laughs>